Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. And Phil Mickelson is in this business as he gets ready for his next business, which is to be the sole and only golf commentator on television. Phil walks around. I'll be an independent contractor. Just float in yeah. for anyone. You want me on a Sunday? Here's the here, here's here time slot. I'll do three to five. If you want me for the last nine, that's a higher price point, but we can make it work. Yeah. Talk to Jared. Yeah, and plus, and uh, talk to Jared, and everybody needs to wear my long sleeve shirts and yeah. my sunglasses and everything and that I enjoy. only be drinking coffee. Phil's <laughs> coffee. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. You will hear the dog barking in the background. The dog has been introduced to Chris Saliza. The dog loves Chris Saliza and is barking and yelping at him in a very come-hither way, it seems animals, to me. Animals recommend similar intellects. They, they, well, she's drawn to my intellect. Okay, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. She sees it. She's just a compatriot, mentally. From Kevin McHugh, I wanted to follow up the invitation I extended to you and Michael around a month ago with a recent David Aldridge moment I experienced. On Father's Day weekend, my father, brother, and I participated in a Father's Day Olympics thrown by the Lynx at Perry Cabin. We unloaded our clubs from the truck and walked to the practice screen for the most important part of the event, sign in. Give me that club shop credit, baby. When I told the Lynx staff member my name, his head shot up, and he asked me if he had heard my name correctly. I confirmed that he did, confused as to how he could have known me or my name. The joy I felt when he extended his fist for a fist bump and accompanied it with a la was unmatched. As people continued to sign in, he and I talked for about 10 minutes about the show. We shared favorite memories, discussed topics on recent episodes, and even bonded over our irrational yet shared pride we feel whenever the Bay Bridge is mentioned. Both he and I didn't stop smiling or laughing the entire conversation. When I rejoined my father and brother on the other side of the putting green, my father said to me, I didn't know you knew him. I then smiled and responded, I don't. We just both listened to the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed this quick story, and I hope you and uh, both you and Michael find yourselves on the Eastern Shore with spare time. So we got to do it. Right, Michael? we got to play that course. Oh, definitely. We've got to do that. A couple of things. Speaking of golf, one more time I'm going to emphasize that the United States Junior Girls Championship is going to be held at Columbia Country Club this coming week. Um, I think there'll be practice rounds on Saturday and Sunday. I think they'll start with full-on golf on Monday and go all the way through Saturday, and it will be on the Golf Channel Friday and Saturday for a couple of hours. I was there yesterday. The course looks so beautiful. And there's flags around, USGA flags around. And there are those very familiar signposts at the tees, the big wooden ones, the square wooden ones that say USGA, and they say what hole it is, what the par is, and what the yardage is. Makes you a little nervous. Um, it, it, it actually filled me with great pride, with great pride that, that we were hosting a USGA event for the second time since I'm there. We hosted the junior boys, and now it's the junior girls. There are USGA flags everywhere. It really... It's, it doesn't look like a tournament in the sense that there are no big tents. There's no, you know, merchandise stuff. You just get that at the pro shop. But it, it was a very prideful feeling, and the course looked really good, so I was, I was happy about it. And I played okay, so I was happy about who's, that. Whose bag are you on? I'm not caddying, oh. but uh, Pete Creedon's caddying. Uh, he's caddying. Ted Hickey's caddying. A take, lot of guys take are advantage of the free drops from the roped off areas to protect the fairway. Uh, I, I, I went rule. to the side Let's and put it, it in the rough. Columbia rough is much thicker than I ever remembered it. Um, cause they're doing, they're, they're growing this so that it's a real championship. Uh, um, I had hoped that that girl, Megagane, who had led the U S open mm -hmm. for two rounds and is going to Stanford next year as a freshman. She's a, she's eligible for it. I'm told she's not going to play in it, but we invite all of you. It's free. 
The admission is free. You can walk the course. As I said, you can curse at the purple line as you see how it has gouged out our golf course. You can you know, familiarize yourself with everything that's out there, including uh, the shack at eight with George and Z. Say hello to George and Z if you're out there. Yeah, chicken salad on a hot dog bun. It's very, very nice. Ooh. Very, very nice. Sounds good on a 99-degree day. Oh, yeah. Um, in the open... anything with mayonnaise in it? In the open, <laughs> it, uh, we referred to and, and just called Jared. So I woke up this morning to a message, a uh, text message from Jared. It said, don't look at a box score from the game last oh, night. Don't look at a box score. Well, that enabled me to rush to the television set. <laughs> you have to. And uh, put on Sports Enjoy Center. Enjoy the pain. And it's pretty high up. Right underneath the basketball game is what happened to the Nats last night. The Nats not only lost an 8 nothing lead to the Padres and lost the game 9-8 to in the ninth inning on a walk-off single. They lost an 8 nothing lead with Max Scherzer on the mound. And they lost an 8 nothing lead in part because Max Scherzer gave up a grand slam home run to the opposing pitcher. Relief pitcher. Who had never had a hit in the major leagues. Second at bat, was it? In his life. Oof. And he went down and golfed it out. Yeah. And he it was, killed it. It was a no-doubter. Oh, he, he crushed it. it. He killed it. And that made it 8-4, and the whole thing dissolved. And only once. Got you at 8-6. Only once in the history of baseball. Has there been a game in which an 8 nothing lead was overcome and part of the overcoming of that was a grand slam by a pitcher? This only happened once. There have only been 98 grand slams by pitchers ever, and there have only been 111 8 nothing leads blown ever. That's what I was seeing on SportsCenter. And the Nats accomplished both. The Nats accomplished both. That's a terrible loss. That's the kind of... If the, if the Nats had won that game, we'd all be sitting here saying they can win the pennant. Yep. You know, it, that was, did you, that well, I didn't watch it. Yeah, Thank so, so God. the worst part about this is Trey Turner is quickly becoming the He's great player. It's going to be the hardest asset for us to keep, maybe That's even right. harder than Soto, Soto, just based on his production. I, I will say this the Padres are fun to watch. I like watching games in that ballpark, but you're feeling good when you get that kind of cushion. Ain't and nothing. If, if, if you were not us sitting here, if you're not DC fans, based on what's going on in baseball in the last two weeks, you would look at this start and say, okay, Scherzer cannot pitch at that same elite level without the sticky stuff. He's throwing 50 pitches, mm -hmm. it seems, in the fourth inning. Can't locate anything yeah. except for a lifeless fastball. And, you know, he'd given up a he'd given up a run by, you know, a walk. He was he hit two people in that inning and he couldn't get out of it. Yep. You also you also though say to yourself He's Max Scherzer. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's got an eight nothing lead. He's not emotionally involved in it now. I, he figures it's easy. He figures he coasts. So it starts the inning. He, the inning starts with Tatis hitting one four thirty, I think. And and he, Tatis you know, pretty good. Carpenter, yeah. Carpenter is like, oh, man, solo home run, no problem. Hey, and I'm like, he always Come gives on, up the solo man. shots. And and then it just kind of slips away from him in a way that you don't. I, I don't expect with Scherzer. He's such a veteran. He knows himself so well. Oh. You know, usually you think, because then he strikes the next guy out. And now you're like, well, there's one out, nobody on. It's one of the worst losses of his career. Right. It's, it's the worst. It's the, the walking in the pitcher hit a grand slam. Yeah. It's walking in the run. That So that's the mistake. And then right. you look at what happens. So he gets the... He gets the strikeout. He gets a generous call yep. there, uh, and it's it's then the, this ball that drops between Soto and Bell, where you go the right. They, I think yeah. they scored it a hit. Uh, the right fielder has the call there, and he needs to basically just run through the six six. It fear you know it feels like huge Josh Bell. So I understand Josh that, Bell's enormous. The, the entire field looked like once that yeah. went out, they just sort of were standing there saying. 
we don't know what to do. And it sort of looked like Little League. I love the relief pitcher. Though, when he gets into the dugout, he was like, act cool. I've been here before. He just said, yeah, just. <laughs> I saw him interviewed today on the early sports center. He said, I blacked out. I hit first base. I saw a bunch of lights. I blacked out. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. If yeah. pitchers as a His general, whole family was there. Yeah. He's a San Diego kid. If pitchers as a general rule are not good hitters, which they're not. Because they don't get practice. <laughs> the worst. Far worse because they never. They don't hit. They, they never go in the cage. Never. They never you know, go they have, the they, Like Michael said, two at-bats ever. These, these, they never no. hit. It was a, it's a bad loss, and it drops the Nats. The, the stupid Phillies won, and the Mets were rained out. So the the Mets don't play any games. No, they've been postponed twice, two days in a row. Um, I wanted to ask you, you, you sent me a note about a, a week ago about yes. a connective tissue story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes, I forgot, but I can tell it easily. So I was Wait, in you co- forgot the story? No, 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 I forgot. I told you. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah, I just send... You were, you're, notes you're so, a lot of text. so focused on sharing, uh, showing us that Tesla up front. Uh, that's a. Uh, I nice. drove here in that car, which it's is nice. a Tesla that yeah, I it, own. It doesn't have the Batmobile doors, though. No, it doesn't. Nice. I'm gonna look at an upgrade. Um, yes, very quickly. I was at a family <laughs> camp, which I know this sounds like a nightmare when I first describe it, with my uh, 19 members of my extended family. So all of my wife's family, her three brothers and sisters. Her parents and all of our children. So ten adults, ten kids. We're at a family camp in Buena Vista, Colorado, which is two and a half hours southwest of Denver. We flew okay. into Denver. They all live in Texas. So that's like they near drove. the bottom of Colorado. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not near anything other than a lot of mountains. Okay. So you're there, and it's it's really not a lot of cell phones. It's very different from my normal life. You know, we went whitewater rafting. We rode horses. Oh. We went on a ropes course. It was wonderful. But on the first night, I was uh, just standing there talking to my father-in-law, I think. And, and again, it's remote, right? There's 40 families, I think, in total there. Everyone had been COVID tested so I felt and vaccinated, so I felt good. A little worried, but still good. And a guy comes up to me out of the blue and he goes, can I say lechiserie? Wow. And I said, of course you can. And then through the course, and I'm, this is, I exaggerate a lot. This is not an exaggeration. Through the course of the next 24 hours, four other people, so five total, came up to me. In this remote part of Colorado. And there, if there were... Are they Three. campers or are they staff? How much did this cost you? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, 20 for the first yeah. one and a little bit more to incentivize oh, beyond that. Yeah. Um, they were adults with their, with their families, not oh, okay. staff. That's not what I'm staff. saying. Yeah, yes, so, not staff. Right. And so five people in total. That's now, great. Now, so they were, there was a big group from Atlanta and most there were 27 families, I think, from Atlanta. Wow. They, their church had organized It was a Christian camp. Mm-hmm. Their, their church had organized them. Uh they came up to me and I thought, Mike, this is like, I was going to text you right away. I was like, you know, I'll just text someone later. It was really, it, it just speaks to the reach. I think you were talking about this recently. And I think about this sometimes with TV too. It's like, you know, you're on TV every day, right? But for you, no. normally it is, you go into a studio, you see the same people, you leave, you come home. Now it's, you go up to your attic, you do the show, you leave. You don't think about it in those terms. No, you, never. You know it reaches people in some sort of you know ob- obscure sort of way. You know that that exists, but you don't see it in your day to day life. It's the same thing with the show. You know, the show. Well, now I get to come here, but you know, I talk to you, or you know, you do the show and sort of go about our regular lives. But there are so many people that it reaches. It was just really cool. Uh, there's no punchline. There's no cynicism. It was just a really neat experience for me. No. Many times people have come to me before, up to me before in this area and said, let's use a reunion. Yeah, so like, yeah. Eat it. 
a lot of people say that. Some of that's not related to the show. People just <laughs> tell me to eat. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it was it's just it's it is inc- it's hard to describe. It's incredibly gratifying. It's not my show, but you know I feel like a part of the family, and it's it's a wonder. It was very heartwarming. There is something that happens when you're on television, of course. As as Chris says, you have a sense that people will know who sure. you are. You don't know but that it's specifically. Sort of, right. Yeah, it's in the air. That's all it is. It does not. It, it it does not affect me, and it should not affect me. It should not affect anyone in television. It's just what we do. Okay, it's what we do. But the one thing that I love, and I have, to, I concede that I love this, is I'm walking the dog somewhere, <laughs> and someone honks the horn and screams out Tony. I, it's just that is <laughs> that that is the one thing that always makes me smile. I mean, that was me that time. No, it just yeah. it just makes me smile. It's, it's a wonderful. lovely moment. Yep. That's a lovely moment. All right, we will get out of here now. We will come back with Pat Forty, and we will talk to Pat Forty about getting the opportunity of being one of the very few, if only parents, getting new, the new opportunity. State of emergency. Yes, to no to, fans to go and watch their child in the Olympics. I'm not sure Bruce Springsteen can go and watch his daughter. In the Olympics, she's right, in equestrian. equestrian. Right. I'm not sure, although I figure if Bruce Springsteen wants to, they're going to let him. <laughs> but Pat Forty's going to do it. So we will be back with Pat Forty. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X Chair Read. Can your office chair give you a massage while you're sitting at your desk? Mine can. Can your office chair warm your back on cold mornings or cool you off on hot days? Mine can. That's because I don't just have any old no-name office chair. I've got an X chair, and I love it. It is so comfortable, I can sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. The secret is their patented dynamic, variable lumbar DVL support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back, and now introducing Elamax, featuring cooling heat and massage therapy. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while sitting at your desk. X-Chair with Elamax delivers cooling heat and massage technology directly to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or the office a joy. You won't believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. It's time to trade in your old, uncomfortable office chair. Trade up to an X-Chair. I I endorse this. This chair I've got up in the attic is a fabulous chair. Ooh, okay, we're going to read this. X-Chair prices are going up on July 12th. For the first time in two years, so beat the price increases. Today, the 10th or the 9th? Today's uh, the 10th. Today's oh, yeah. the 10th. You got two days. Ninth. The 9th. Ninth. Ninth. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X chair Tony.com or call 1 844 4X chair to receive $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com. Dot com now. Use the code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. XChairTony.com. Beat the increase. Use the code, people. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Brandon McDonald. He says, I saw that you take music submissions, and I wanted to submit some songs <laughs> from my band. We are called Empty Bottles. We're from Westchester, Pennsylvania. I know where that is. I've been there. And we play a whole bunch of genres. I've included two songs. This is called Stuck in the Middle. It's not the famous Stuck in the Middle. It's the version of Stuck in the Middle by the Empty Bottles. And Brandon McDonald sent this, and they play in Pat Forty. Okay, so let us, let us get to the first question. Everybody knows what these questions are going to be, but the first question is, when do you leave for Tokyo? 
I am out on uh, July 19th and land on the 20th. Okay. You will go, you will cover the Olympics like a regular sports person from Sports Illustrated. You will have the added benefit of being able to see your daughter. We have all, we haven't lived through it with as much tension as you have lived through it. So we're going to ask you to take us through the process, as we say in the newspaper business, the TikTok as Brooke made the team. Yeah, boy, what a TikTok. Um, I will try to condense this as much as possible, but if people want to read the whole gory story, uh, it's on SI.com, about 3,500 words. Uh, but the, 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 the finite part about making the team, so 400 individual medley, her best event, does not go great. She finishes sixth, which in the big team is great, but not good enough to make the team. Two days later, she starts competing in the 200 freestyle. Preliminaries, very good. She's seated 15th. She moves up. Semifinals, she swims great. So all she's got to do, theoretically, in the final is make the top six, and then she is going to be an Olympian. Uh, That night, she finishes sixth. We are ecstatic. We're over the moon. We are screaming, jumping, hugging. We see her afterwards, and she's like, I don't know how happy to be. We're like, what? And he said, well, the, the head count on the team has to work out. We, can, we can't have more than 26 swimmers. So if they end up with too many, if there's not enough Katie Ledeckis that qualify in multiple events, then the first person to go is the sixth-place sixth person yes. on the relay, which is her. Right. So yeah. we spend the next 96 hours uh, watching events and checking them off and saying, okay, this person's already in that person's. And the numbers are almost working out, but they're not completely working out. Uh, and then Saturday night, this last second last night of the Olympics, we need three good things to happen, and they should all happen. And only two of them ended up happening. The world record holder in the 200 backstroke gets third. Shocking turn of events that leaves her still on the bubble going into the very last night and the very last race, which is a 50-yard, 50 50-meter 50 freestyle sprint where anything can happen. So we are, like, steeped in stress and misery at this point because it's just been dragged on for a long time, and it's out of her control. Uh, but the 50 gets swum, uh, and Abby Weitzel, former rival from, from rival California, finishes second, which gets Brooke on the team, and uh, then we can absolutely exhale and celebrate. And it was a, a beautiful moment I had. I saw her back behind the scenes and she ran over and hugged me. And that's, that's, that was my Olympic moment right there. So all parents suffer tremendous anxiety and nervousness over their children that they do not suffer over themselves. They do not. You can, you can compartmentalize all your craziness by yourself, but you can't do it around your children. How nervous were you and how relieved were you? Because you're watching a race in an entirely different way than other people are watching the race. You're watching the race with a vested interest on this person has to win or qualify in this race or my kid is out. So take us through how nervous you were and then how relieved you were. Yeah, boy. I I mean, what you said is correct, is that there is a a level of anxiety involved in your kids that's not involved in your own self. You know, you you can, they, they, they are incomparable. And in this situation where, you're, you're then watching basically a stranger is like, okay, you have my daughter's Olympic fate that she's worked <laughs> for her whole life in your hands. Go get them. Uh, you know, I mean, it was that day was 
miserable. Like that Saturday night, like I said, this all happened Sunday night. Saturday night, we, we, we went to bed. We were unhappy. You know, nobody's talking. And we wake up the next day. Nobody wants to eat. And we've got to wait all day. Uh, and you're just, you know, and we're looking at the heat sheet. We're looking at it like, okay, it should happen. But, but what if it doesn't? You know what if what if my kid is the actually the first one that to, to in the since they went to the twenty six person head count the first one to not make it uh, you know what do you do then how do you try to console her at that point uh, and so it was just it was a grim tense miserable day waiting for that to happen and then we're watching it and then as Brooke herself actually said. At least it's only a 24-second race. You know, we're not sitting there watching a two-minute or an eight-minute or a 15-minute right. race. You know, it's not the 5,000. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, she so gets- it starts, and, yeah, it, I mean, the race itself was fine. It was good. There was never, like, any moment where it didn't look like it was going to work out. But but still, to have it come down to 24 seconds and sure. basically two tenths was, was a bit tense. So um, they just made a ruling that no parents – can come and watch. This is now the 2020 Olympics, which are going to be held in July of 2021. They are strictly a television show. That's all they are, is a television show. This, I suspect, and we could talk about this forever, will have an effect on athletes because there won't be any people in the stands, and a lot of athletes get better or worse with people in the stands. I just think you will agree. I'm sure that it will have an effect. But you get to go as a parent, um, I assume I said this a little earlier before you came on. Maybe Bruce Springsteen will get to go because he'll just give a concert in Tokyo and he'll drift over and watch his daughter outdoors in the equestrian. But how do you feel? How do you feel about you get the chance to see your child and nobody else does? I've compared it a little bit to, to survivor guilt, if, you, if that can be feasible. Yeah. Uh, you know, that like, why am I the one that gets to go and nobody else does? And then. My rationalization is, well, they should have chosen the best career of all and been a sports writer. Um, yes. But it, it, it's weird. It's definitely weird. I mean, I feel very lucky, but I feel really bad for people. You know, I mean, Simone Biles' parents can't go. Katie Ledecky's parents can't go. I was talking to them yesterday, you know, and I mean, it, it's, it's, it's brutal. I feel bad for all those people and... You know, NBC is trying to come up with some alternate means, and they're they're taking Olympic families to Orlando and having watch parties and stuff. And my wife, you know, I mean, I feel terrible for her, uh, who is as important, more important than anybody in the family in terms of our children's uh, athletic and academic success. And she doesn't get to go, and she understood, but there's still part of her that it hurts. You know, that I mean, that's her kid that gets to swim in the Olympics, and you got to watch it on TV like everyone else. It's a weird circumstance. We we just, I mean, just tangentially, we were, Wilbon and I were talking yesterday about Tampa Bay, the winning the Stanley Cup, and are they a dynasty? And I sat there and I said, you know, they went in this weird division situation this year, and last year they won in the bubble, and these may be outliers. We may never see it again. We may never have any sense of this. This is an Olympics that we're never going to see again. It's going to be really weird watching it i mean are you going to cover all of it or are you just there to cover the swimming what how is it going to work for you yeah my i mean my beat will be the swimming and then after that i'll i'll do you know broaden out and do some more stuff um you know find some stories that's one good thing about the olympics there are stories but it's also that's harder to do when you can't just perambulate you can't be around yeah. well you know that you're not around the fans you're not around the people you're not around the culture 
And so, as you said, yeah, this is a TV Olympics. Uh, it's going to be a really anesthetic kind of uh, setting, um, I think. I do feel bad for the athletes that, yeah, you, you have no fans there. Now, I, I don't know about other countries, but in America, that's going to be kind of business as usual. If you swam NCAA championships this year, there were no fans. Uh, right. Thankfully, at Olympic trials, there were, A, because we got to go, but then B, because they finally got an atmosphere to race in. And it does help. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, that a crowd, you know, amps up the adrenaline and the energy. Uh, but at least it is something that, like, for our, our college athletes who will be in, uh, in Tokyo, they at least have been through this. You know, it's, it, this is kind of like how the last year is going. It's just one more time competing in an empty arena. By the way, I will be surprised if my friend Sean Reese, a producer at the Today Show, doesn't try and get you and Brooke on and do some sort of feature. I imagine people have reached out to you already about that, right? I mean, because it's, it's a natural story, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I have heard from a few people, for sure. Uh, no doubt about it. And, and yes, if called, we will, we will serve. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, uh, Brooke, Brooke did a Zoom call with a bunch of the local Louisville media um, you know, just shortly after she made the team, we're from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, I called her and I said, I texted her and I said, hey, I got a question for, on something. She said, you're going to have to get on the Zoom, Dad. So I'm, <laughs> I'm already being big time by my I own I have an style. agent. Yeah. Ah, so that, it, yeah. So let me ask you something in the other thing that you do and you do so well, which is cover college sports. Name and likeness. This is going to be a big deal. Wilbon and I talked about this yesterday. This guy at the, in Miami who owns all these gyms, who's giving every single player on the Hurricanes football team like $500 a month. is $540,000 out of his pocket. I'm sure he's got an advertising budget. But this is this notion of straight cash homie. This uh, young girl who's going to go to Stanford next year, who was leading the U.S. Open in golf for the first two days, she's going to get a ball deal and a club deal and an apparel deal and a shoe deal. How is this going to work? This is a brave new world. Scares me to death. How about you? Oh, it's brave. It's messy. It's chaotic. Nobody has any idea how it's going to work, and nobody's really in charge. Uh, We've established that. The NCAA, you know, after – Decades of intransigence has been dragged into this and has basically thrown up its hands and said, hey, Congress, can you help us? And Congress is like, yeah, we're busy. We'll get to you. Uh, so, I mean, it's this is unregulated, uh, I, I, completely like foreign territory. Uh, people are yes. scrambling to figure it out. Some of it's going to be fine. I think most of it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be okay. Uh, I think that, as we've seen, like, Football players at Jackson State are getting deals. Uh, basketball, women's basketball players are getting deals. So, you know, we're Good. helping not just the glamour sports people. You know, it's not just Alabama and Ohio State and Duke and Kentucky. Uh, so we, I think this is good for a lot of people, but it is going to be messy. I mean, there's going to be a ton of broken eggs, and will there be abuse? Absolutely. But I think at this point it's probably the fair thing to do uh, given the amount of money that is now just, you know, college athletics has become a cash spigot. And so if the spigot's on, you got to let the athletes have some of it. So that's my, my stance on that. But, but this is, it's, it's going to be absolute chaos for a couple of years, I think. I'm not sure it's wise. <laughs> you know, I don't, it's because it's going to be the Wild West. 
and there is no law west of the Pecos as far as this goes. And the other question I would have for you is how is it I cannot imagine that Mark Emmert will keep his job. I cannot imagine this. Am I wrong on that? Well, I mean, he just got a contract extension approved by the Board of Governors, which tells you how completely out of touch they are with everything (laughs) and how they are perfectly fine with a do-nothing figurehead at the head of an inefficient organization. That's college sports. If you've got a bunch of presidents that run this Board of Governors who are like, yeah, we like that guy who's done nothing right. We like that guy who's, who's the head of, 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 you know, Intransigence Incorporated. Uh, we like the guy who puts his foot in his mouth every time he talks because he'll at least take the bullets for us. So that's basically all it boils down to is Mark Emmert is our pinata and we're sticking with him. It's like the Roger Goodell model. I mean, it's I, just, yeah. it's, an, yeah, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. All right. Um, travel safe. Enjoy yourself like crazy. We'll try and talk to you whenever we can. And, and I, I, you know, just to watch her, even in the prelims, right? Even in the relay prelims, to qualify yeah. for the team is going to make you just so happy, I'm sure. Absolutely. Just, you know what, see the name 40 under the Stars and Stripes on the cap. That'll, that'll be a very proud day. No doubt about it. Tremendous. So thank tremendous. You. Thank you, Pat. Congratulations thank and thank you. Pat 40, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back. We'll try for Tim Legler. We tried for Tim Legler <laughs> yesterday. It didn't work. Or uh, Wednesday, rather. We'll try for Tim Legler again. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. This is the ZipRecruiter read. That's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's no wonder that over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is a band called Empty Bottles. And they are from Westchester, Pennsylvania. This is a song called Too Long. Uh, Michael, if people want to send us their original music, which we are thrilled to play, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. I just let the dog out briefly. The dog is back. The dog is barking. This is what happens. <laughs> Tim Legler joins us now. Um, if you keep track of when we tape the show, Tim Legler, this is about 10 after 8 or 11 after 8, and Tim Legler was just on Get Up, and he's going to have to go back. Because when you're on these shows, you're a mule, and you've got to go on four and five times an hour. That's how it works. So I'll be brief with you, and I'll just sort of start with this. It's now 2 nothing. The home team has won the first two games. Are you surprised by anything in this? Do you see any particular trend, or do we have to wait to see what Milwaukee does on its home court? 
Uh, well, I think that's definitely true. They've been one of the best teams in the league at home over the last few years, Tony. So you certainly don't want to dismiss the Bucks' opportunity to get back in the series. But I picked the Suns to win the series for a reason. I think they're a better team, and they might not necessarily have more dominant personnel at the top of their roster. But mm-hmm. when you look at the way they play, one through eight, one through nine, those role players have greater definition and acceptance of their roles than any team in the NBA. And as a result, they're always confident they can stay in their lane because they know the ball is going to come their way. They don't have to go track down shots. Those, those supplemental guys outside of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they don't have to hunt anything because it comes their way because their brand of basketball is to just always move it to the next guy and trust that he's going to do the right thing with it. That's a really fun way to play, and you can tell that they're having a lot of fun because they have so much chemistry, trust in each other, trust in Monty Williams. So uh, for me, if I have surprised by one thing through two games, it's just the Milwaukee Bucks really just ineptitude on the defensive end of the floor. They played harder last night, but they still look like the Keystone Cops at times trying to catch up to the basketball. Um, And it almost looks like a lack of just preparation on what they're about to see. They seem to be on their heels and reacting to everything Phoenix is doing rather than trying to dictate something to the Suns that they're going to allow them to do offensively. And that's typically what good defensive teams do. And the Bucks have just looked lost through two games. So I remember saying three or four times, and I'm sure I'll get the opportunity to say it today on PTI to Wilbon, that I told you I would pick Phoenix to win whether or not Antetokounmpo played. Because I think they're a better team. I think they were a better team in a better division. I think that they look more cohesive than the other team. They are less dependent on one person, even though they are dependent on Chris Paul, less dependent than Milwaukee is on Antetokounmpo. And last night, Antetokounmpo had a big night, and, and his team still lost. To your point about the way Phoenix works the ball, Sports Center early this morning showed about a 14-pass uh, you, you know, rally around on the outside in a 24-second clock. There had to be nine passes. There had to be nine passes, and every single person could have taken a shot, but passed the ball up for a better opportunity, a better shot. That strikes me as coaching and floor leadership, right? I mean, it, there's no other way you can interpret that, right? Yeah, 100%. And actually, we tracked it. It was 10 passes, and I believe they passed up four by today's NBA standards, four legitimate good looks where guys could have pulled the string, and they didn't. And in more than even the passing on that possession, which stood out to me, watch the Bucks on that possession, the way that they just have multiple guys chasing the ball all over the place. There's no more helpless feeling than when a team does that to you, um, and they're literally passing up clean three-point looks to get maybe a better shot. And, of course, it ends up with a three-point play layup underneath the rim yes. by DeAndre Ayton. And, yes. yes, that's a perfect summation of who the Suns are and what they have been all year. And it started for me about midseason. I started watching this team, and I'm saying this is going from a good story, which is what they were coming out of the bubble, going 8-0 in the bubble, you know, Devin Booker sort of blowing up, and, and we're now anticipating, hey, maybe this team could be a fringe playoff team coming into the season. So it's a good story. And Monty Williams, there's so much personal interest in him because he's had an immeasurable personal tragedy he's gone through, come back from that, very likable guy. So we're following the team, but they've gone from a good story to a great team 
literally right before our eyes in a matter of a few months because this is what the essence of what beautiful basketball looks like. Um, when you can get guys to do things that are for other people and it's not about yourself and you can get guys to run hard ten times in a row, even though nine of those times they might not get the basketball and they're going to run hard on the tenth time as well, you've yeah. created something beautiful. And that's, that is coaching and it's also – leadership of Chris Paul, who sure. to a man, everybody has said what a difference he has made coming in there with their professionalism, the way they view themselves, their confidence, their IQ on the court has gone up dramatically. So it's a combination of those two things. So Wilbon, of course, loves Chris Paul, you know, and I tend to hate him just because Wilbon loves him. But if I'm, my enemy. Yeah, if I'm objective about this, and Mike and I have talked about this, Chris Paul is despised by a lot of teammates that he's had over the years. But Phoenix is such a young team, Tim, that that he is such an obvious leader that even though he can be overly stern as a taskmaster, they're so young they probably figure, let's listen to him because he's really better than us. That seems to be the right place for him, a young team, whereas a veteran team would say, why don't you take that stuff and shove it? We don't want to hear it anymore. Does that sound right to you? That is such a great point, and here's how I describe it. Imagine if Chris Paul were walking uphill and, and slung over his shoulder was a sack full of egos, and it was Blake Griffin and Doc Rivers and DeAndre yeah. Jordan, and, yeah. right? and, and you're trying to drag yes. those kind of guys, and, they're, and yes. it's just so heavy. You can't do it. And now you could, you could take the entire roster full of egos of the Phoenix Suns, sling it over his shoulder. He's going to carry that, and they're going to follow him. They don't have a problem with it because to this point, other than Jay Crowder, who, who was in the finals a year ago with Miami, Nobody's they been haven't in really it. had any success. And they're no. so young. They don't, and so now Chris Paul comes in, and DeAndre Ayton, to me, is the, is the guy at the top of the list, and he has said it. He, he didn't know exactly what hard work really was at the NBA level. He didn't understand about the extra time he had to put in he didn't understand about being directed on the court. And they think they butted heads in the beginning. But DeAndre Ayton started to see that. Like, I'm, I'm a much better player because of Chris Paul helping me figure out where to be and when to be there. And this whole team now is completely bought in. Think about how many guys get to have a Hall of Fame career, which Chris Paul had up until two years ago. He could have retired before he went to Oklahoma City, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. And now here he is at the end of his career taking his reverence in general, to a completely different level because of yes. what he has done with two very young rosters, and now they're two games on the brink of a championship. You talk about capping off a great career in a strange way to do it this late in your career to get this much adoration is very unusual. I will get you out of here on this. Wilbon has been killing Coach Bood lately, uh, he, and he's getting that from his friends who are former players who are killing Coach Bood all the time. You seem to be in that camp because you're saying they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, that they don't have any defensive strategy whatsoever. Um, can this be pinned on a coach? Because that's, that's a very successful team in the last three years. They may not have gotten to the finals, but they've won an awful lot of games. Yeah, he listen, he's a very smart guy. And if you look at, though, when he was at his best, to me, it was when he Atlanta. had a team in Atlanta, again, with no yeah. stars. They, yes. they sent four guys to the All-Star game. Think about it. And we're talking about guys like Jeff Teague, Al Horford, you know, Kyle Korver. Like no, no big-time star players. And they won, they won 60 games in Atlanta. And he coached 
ball movement, player movement. They had to. They had no other choice but to play that way. I feel like in some ways he's fallen prey to the fact that he's got this dominant, unique player in Giannis Antetokounmpo who they kind of just let play. And Giannis so desperately wants to be the guy. and It's an admirable thing. He wants to be the guy that takes on the responsibility to take this franchise across the finish line. As a guy, the team that drafted him, he wants it so bad. He almost wants it too bad, Tony, that he can't have it. But he doesn't check every box that you need for a star player. He doesn't have a deep game. He doesn't have a mid-range game. He's not a good foul shooter. So he does a lot of dominant things on the court. But he has certain areas that he just does not check the box that superstars in this league need. And I feel like Budenholzer falls prey to, oh, let's just let our star player go because that's what yeah. star players do. We let them isolate and we let them play a certain way. And I almost feel like Budenholzer was more admired and appreciated when he was coaching lesser talent and got them to play a certain style of basketball that had to work for them. With this team, I think they're too ISO heavy. I think they, they, the guys dominate the basketball too much, and they don't have a complete enough offensive players to be able to get it done. I, so I think that's if there's, if there's one thing I would criticize him on, it's that. I think he's too reliant on his top offensive players just getting it done when they're not capable of doing some of the things that legitimate superstars in this league can do to answer any situation and make any shot that's required. They don't really have that kind of roster. So I, I'm not going to put it all on Budenholzer. I, I'm putting it a little bit on their star players because Giannis is an incomplete player. Chris Middleton as well. These are really, really good players. Giannis could be great at times, but Drew Holiday, none of those guys really – are complete offensive players the way that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I couldn't have said it because I'm not that smart, but I'm glad you said it. And thanks for being on. I know it's busy, and you're going to have to go back on TV in about five minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. You got it, Tony. Anytime. Tim Legler, who Tim Legler and I used to sit at, with George Michael and Michael Wilbon and David Dupree and talk about basketball on Channel 4 in local Washington, D.C. He's people, really good. People forget this, particularly people younger than me. I'm 45, particularly people younger than me, but Tim Legler could shoot. Oh, sure. I mean, oh, he was the best shooter in I basketball mean, for a while. Oh, he could right. really shoot. If Tim Legler came to your pickup game, he'd score all 11 points yeah. still. All right. Uh, we will take a break. We will have email and a jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Brian Hoyt in Sammamish, Washington, near Seattle, who writes, I don't think you've ever had anyone submit an accordion version of the mailbag, so I asked my wife to play it. It took her about 30 minutes to write herself the music, and then she played it. It was actually amazing to watch her do it. The years of having to listen to her play accordion almost every night have finally paid off. Can you please name her the official accordion air of the show? Mm. Thanks for all of the hours of enjoyment over the years. And I would do that, except Brian didn't even include his wife's first name. Wow. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's going to be tough to Have fun at dinner home. tonight, Brian. So I think you got to do that, Brian. I think you got to send us another email. Um, can I tell you one good squeeze box fact? Yeah. Um, Max Weinberg's daughter, Allie Weinberg, works in the news business. She's now married. Her name is Allie Rogan, but she is a terrific accordion player. And really? sings and plays, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. I knew she's been in Washington for a long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, she's lovely. Uh, Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? 
Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Tony. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do. We got a lot today. We can give Chris some so to take I home. I cannot tell you how excited I am yeah. about that. Go bagels ahead. for everyone. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest to you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. And that's, you know, when the, when the band played stuck in the middle, this is a different one. Thanks to our guests today, Pat Forty and Tim Legler. Thanks to our sponsors today, X-Chair and ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, Please leave us a review. The guests were great today. Uh, Forty and Legler were absolutely great. Let me read some stuff. From, Chris, you held your own. From Steve Clemenson in Edgewater, Maryland. I hope Chessie makes it to the studio, water. as Tori suggested. I think she would interject some great commentary. There is some nuance in her cries, yelps, and barks. She can't get anywhere else. My hope is that she growls excessively at Saliza, but does not mm. bite him. I don't want her to get rabies. Good to girl, be clear, one, dogs like me. Uh, they recognize the intellect. And two, Chessie did get on the mic. She did. A few she times it. today, she, she licked, licked my mic. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Ponish in Austin, Texas, regarding the person who bought the Mocha Master coffee machine. I first considered admonishing this person for spending this much on a coffee machine when the coffee machine won't make better coffee if you use bad coffee. But then I thought about my pursuit of coffee nirvana and realized that maybe I'm the fool. It all started with a desire to grind my own beans. A cheap $30 grinder led to a $60 grinder, which led to a $200 conical burr grinder. Grinding was not enough. I then needed to pursue a gooseneck kettle priced at $150. It's hot here in Texas, and hot coffee was just not going to work. I tried all the types of cold brew until I ended up with a cold brew maker with hand-blown Japanese glass at around $300. <laughs> Typing this out now, I realize it's insane. I dedicated two years of my life. Uh, any sort of spendable money I had to this beverage where I only have one cup a day. At least it doesn't have articulated knees. At least I'm not that. From Ryan, it's a great email. From Ryan Dempsey in Cincinnati. You wore me down. I decided to buy the toaster, but there's an issue. They don't accept post points. What have I been saving them for? <laughs> From J.D. Detterman, my folks were married in 1962. Among the many gifts they received was a Toastmaster three-slice toaster. To this day, the chrome and bakelite oddity holds a coveted spot on their kitchen counter and regularly produces high-quality toast. Not bad for a 59-year-old relic. Kate in Rockville, glow bugs? Yeah, glow bugs. What do you call them? Lightning bugs. Lightning bugs. Oh, I call them glow oh, it's bugs. It's a big regional thing. Huh. Glow bugs. Yeah. Mike Lanzara in McLean, Michigan. On your Monday show, you talked about glow bugs were the best thing about summer. You're 100% right. What parent hasn't caught one and put it in a jar to show their kids? By the way, who eats watermelon in a pool? Have you ever seen that? Not even a Subaru owner would try something <laughs> like that. Uh, From David Cohn in Wilmington, Delaware. I've written you several times, but have never... Um, you've never chosen my emails on the air. Please confirm that this is a working address and that my emails aren't any damn good. <laughs> Very funny. Confirm. From Colin McKinnon um, in Whereabouts Unknown. Uh, he's got, it's a sign that says solving the puzzle. It's Kuro something or other from Kuro Corner cabinet. Kuro whatever. I'd like to Kuro solve cabinets. the puzzle. Kuro Cabinets, 4230 Broadway. <laughs> from Jose Vergara in Buford, South Carolina. Good morning, Dr. Hoffwaff. While listening to Michael's story about getting the date wrong for his tea time, I could not help but chuckle. <laughs> you see, I too have been the victim of an incorrect date. About 20 years ago, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I were invited to a high school friend's wedding. It was in Indianapolis, and we at the time lived three hours away. 
We decided to make it a whole weekend trip. We stayed with old college friends and had a great Friday night with them. Well, the next day we got ready for the wedding, and as always, my wife was running late. The whole car ride to the wedding, I was upset and made her aware of my displeasure. Once we arrived at the church, we saw the blushing bride outside with her bridesmaids taking pictures. I'd never met the bride, so I had no clue what she looked like. Well, we ventured inside the church. We signed the guest book. We sat in the middle pew. Once the groom stepped out and stood next to the pastor, I was shocked. It was not my high school friend. <laughs> Again, I got angry with my wife because I accused her of taking us to the wrong church. Once we got back to the car, we were able to confirm we were in the right church. We were just a week early. We had signed a random couple's guest book. So to this day, they probably wonder who the hell Jose and Jamie Vergara are and why they attended their wedding. Needless to say, 20 years later, I am still paying for my mistake. I feel like the question there is, do you get a gift for those people? Because your name is on their gift guest list. I don't know. Well, do, they stay, do they stay for the uh, party? From Rory uh, Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine. The Subaru talk has gotten out of hand. As a resident of central Maine, I'm in the heart of L.L. Bean and Subaru country, well. so let me set the record straight. Subaru cars aren't pretentious. They're fairly cheap, boring little things that are good in snow. The owners don't love their children more because they don't have any. Subaru owners just love their dogs and cross-country skis more than you love your kids. Now, BMW owners, on the other hand, thank you sincerely for this show. I've been listening faithful, faithfully since the Duke Red scores and Nigel did Nissan ads. Does the Subaru come, is it mandatory that it has some sort of outdoor rack on the top of it. Yes, like I want I one so. without that. No, you know, it's, yes. it's, no. like, it's, it's like you no. have to have that. Mike I'm, Todd. I'm outdoors. Not, I'm outdoors not that Mike Todd from Columbus, Ohio. In regards to your recent technical difficulties with Comcast, perhaps it's time to send Chris Saliz on an overnight flight <laughs> to negotiate a resolution. On the other hand, never mind. Saliz never was a wartime consigliere. Best to send Gary. From Matthew Benz in Metz and Paris, France. Uh, dear Mr. Tony, do you know what a fawn like the one near your house in Delaware grows up to be? A sophomore at Emily Dickinson who dies tragically in a kiln explosion. From Jeremy, Jeremy Rothgerber in the Peace Corps in Pretoria, South Africa, I had no idea there were other people out there in the little verse that had the same hatred of Jeremiah was a bullfrog as I do. Born in 1974 and frequently teased about my name as a child, even though it is not Jeremiah. Uh, it's Jeremy. I finally asked my parents why they didn't just name me Jeremiah if I was going to receive the same tired jokes and ridicule about my name, to which their response was, we didn't want other kids making fun of your name if it was Jeremiah. Thanks, Mom and Dad. They've obviously <laughs> never owned a Subaru. And from Peter Jennings, but of course not that Peter Jennings, our Peter Jennings. I'm so impressed with your growing and eclectic group of sponsors of the show that I was wondering about sponsorship opportunities. I'm already bored in retirement and reopened formally Jennings & Jennings PC and is now three Jennings Law Office in the same beautiful building in Michigan circa 1960. It would be worth the money just to hear your rant after reading three Jennings Law Firm ad-lib personal story here. <laughs> the show and the dialogue <laughs> is so great. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear what? Who's your favorite pitcher? Max Scherzer. What does Max Scherzer do? Phoenix. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto? Uh. Middle, I've been thinking about you 
in a wedding room at night And I can't even find myself, I think It's alright, it's alright Just stay there
Yeah.